All right, all right. So, so Josh, you brought another guest on here. You invited a, a, a friend, a friend of the show, hopefully. So, so Josh, why don't you introduce our, our friend here? Absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna let him introduce himself um, because it's it's more exciting than than me, but uh, me doing it. But this is Patrick Hape. He played at Alabama and also um, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Denver Broncos in the NFL for eight years as a tight end and fullback for one fullback. year, right? Yeah. So, uh, so we're glad you're here, Patrick. Um, if there's anything you want to you wanna tell us you know, about yourself, your family, I know that family is extremely important to you. You got a couple kids. Kind of tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. Man, uh, Josh, uh, Rod, and Andrew, man, I, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's uh, it's an honor to be on here. I, I know your uh, your podcast. You've talked about it for a long time, and finally, I get the, a chance to actually be on. But uh, yeah, my uh, my so I'm married to Jennifer Hape. Uh, she we we actually met in college and um, the end of 1994, and uh, she's from West Monroe, Louisiana, and everybody's like, well, where's West Monroe? I'm like, you ever heard Doug of Doug Dynasty? Yeah, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> I had a couple people say that tonight when I was talking about her. Yeah, they're like, Doug, that's where Doug Dynasty's from. So, uh, yeah, we met in college and uh, been together. We got, we went to uh, Tampa after my first year there. We got married and um, wasn't sure if we ever wanted to have kids, and we ended up having kids because we wanted to at a certain point, but we waited a little bit later in life. And, um, and so I have a son that's 15 years old, Carson, and my daughter is 11 and her name is Taylor. Awesome. Very cool, man. So <clears throat> I know that uh, you were a, a standout in, in high school and had a lot of different opportunities, you know, a few different colleges that were after you, you know, you were doing some camps each year after, you know, your 10th grade, 11th grade, <laughs> years 9th 10th and 11th um what made you choose alabama oh it was uh i, I always kind of grew up as an alabama fan and so um so i, I would go to uh, so i play football my whole life uh, baseball and basketball um but when it came to football my uh me and a few other my friends that i played with we would go to football camps every year so i went to the university of north alabama una which is uh, in my hometown of Florence. We went there before um, before our 10th grade year. And then uh, before our 11th grade year, we all, all my friends, we went to uh, Florida State. And then um, before my senior year in college, I went to Alabama's football camp. And um, so those were the football camps I went to. And it was, you know, a great time. I think everybody go nowadays goes to football camps, you know, three or four times during the summer. I thought one and I was like, man, I just, I accomplished a lot. And uh, so we went to, uh, so to realize that I was going to go to Alabama, I was always a big fan anyway. I was also an Auburn, I was also an Auburn fan. I was also a Tennessee fan. I mean, I liked all the SEC schools around that area. And um, so I went to Alabama football camp and I was like, I'm going to do something different this year. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm going to work hard and I'm going to try to show off, but not, you know, not really do anything different than anybody else. But uh, so I do the football camp and uh, I went as a tight end because I always thought that I played linebacker mostly in high school. So I thought, well, I'm not, I don't know if I'm fast enough and 
good enough to be a linebacker in college football. So I'm going to go as a tight end. So I went as a tight end and uh, in the drills, they would throw me a pass and I would catch the pass and I'd run it back to the, um, to the guy holding the ball for the quarterback. And I sprint back to the end of the line, wait till it's my turn again. And even if I dropped a pass, I would sprint after it, pick it up and run back to the guy holding the ball and, and then run back to the back of the line and wait till my turn again. Before I knew it, somebody noticed this, and um, and uh, so somebody, one of the uh, one of the trainers came over, and they're like, "Hey, Coach Stallings wants you to ride in the golf cart with him." And uh, I was shocked. I, I I had no idea, and and then not to mention, Coach Stallings was like Coach Paul Bear Bryant to me. I'm like, "Oh my God, Coach Stallings wants me to ride in this golf cart." So I go to his golf cart and I get in there with him, and he's driving, and I'm just just me and him. And uh, he's like, hey, man, hey, hey, man, I don't care if you can play a lick of football. But, hey, man, I see how you're working out there. We're going to make a football player out of you. Hey, we give out 20 scholarships. Now we're only giving 19 because one of them's yours. I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot believe you just said that to me. <laughs> it, 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 uh, it makes me so excited to tell that story every time, and I've told it a million times, and um, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. But just to that's, – that's when I knew that I was going to go to Alabama. Awesome. There was no doubt I was going to Alabama. I'm mad looking back that I didn't take uh, more official visits. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of official visits and recruiting, uh, Patrick, like that story is really what it's all about just because of the, the fact that you you worked hard and you looked at it as this is my opportunity to show my value by by providing value for this camp. So, I mean, what do you say that because obviously, you know, nowadays it's all about that that prima donna attitude of, you know, uh, you know, what are you going to do for me? Uh, this NIL mentality of, you know, uh, what, 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 what can you do for me as opposed to what value can I bring? Uh, I mean, talk a little bit about just how crazy things have changed from that versus to what your mindset was just coming in. Like you didn't even know if you were going to be going here before that, but then it was, I'm out here to show what I can do. Yeah. Well, at, at that time, um, and I've talked to Coach Stallings about this later. Um, you know, when he first went to Alabama in 1990, he was like, he was like, you know, I go to Alabama and um, and and everybody's like, hey, you might want to get an agent to uh, negotiate your contract. And he was like, hey, man, what the hell do I need an agent for? Hey, man, I would have played for, I would have coached for free. I would have, uh, as a football player at Alabama, I would have played for free. There's no no doubt about it. I would just I was honored and lucky to be there. It's still to me, uh, Alabama football is. I can't believe I played football at Alabama. And um, you know, look at the NFL. Uh, the being able to play in the NFL at the same time afterwards, it it seems a lot cooler to me that I actually got to play at Alabama. Oh man, I mean. It, that, that that is awesome, and but your focus was just on what can you do each and every day to provide and bring value. Yes, yeah, uh, you can. Uh, you can see uh, I got some. That one little helmet right there is not my real helmet. That's my my son's helmet a long time ago. But I got a couple of helmets over there. In the background, you can see those. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some over there, too. My wife would be mad right now if she saw me showing this room that's not all cleaned up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, speaking of his NFL career, what did, what did you find? Um, you thought there was a YouTube video of it, but what was some kind of celebration or something? Uh, what was that? Okay, yeah. So, so you got to scour the internet far and wide. You know, I, I used to look. So, Patrick and myself, we just met today. So, he doesn't know anything about me. But I am most famous on the internet for being a private investigator. <laughs> over, over, over 4 million views personally, myself on TikTok on private investigator stories along. Okay. And so I did some digging and, uh, you know, we, we, it, it's just such a good story, right? We got to tell it early. We got to tell it early on. Got to tell it early. All right. So I did some digging, found out that you got a little bit of, got into a little bit of trouble, right? In the NFL, got a fine yes. that amounted to about $5,000. So what was that about? It was exactly $5,000. <laughs> we, uh, so, uh, so we, I can't remember the game. We were playing uh, Sunday night football. I think it was against the, uh, I think it was against the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers. And um, I think, I can't remember exactly who we were playing against. But anyway, so uh, Keyshawn Johnson, I mean, he's a great wide receiver, uh, fantastic guy, great player. He scored a touchdown in that game. And actually during that game, you know, which is different then. Um, I think he had gotten a concussion in, in a part of that game, and he was just worn out. So uh, he caught the touchdown pass. And me and Dave Moore, Dave Moore and I were uh, two of the other tight ends um, on uh, Tampa's team. And so we go to we go to the end zone after he scored, and he's just worn out, and he's bent over. And so he and I go up, me on one side and Dave Moore on the other side. And we start patting him on the back. Man, great job, man. That's awesome. He scored a touchdown. This is awesome. And he was just leaned over and uh, not doing anything. So uh, didn't think anything about it. And, you know, the next day I hear that I get fined $5,000 for dancing in the end zone. They thought, they thought back in the day they had the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Falcons dirty bird. Oh, so, the dirty bird. Yeah, the dirty bird. So they thought we were, you know, they were, we're you know, hey, man, you know, great job. The, they thought we were doing The bob and weave is what yeah, the, the news article said. The, the, bob, bob, the bob and weave, weave yes. <laughs> and that's the craziest thing of all the things in the world to get fined for. You you had guys pulling uh, Sharpies out of the, the uh, out of the goalpost and, and phones and everything else. I'll never forget that from Joe, Joe Horn. Horn. You know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you got it. Yeah, yeah. So we we uh, so we celebrated, but it wasn't a celebration. I mean, it was like, hey, man, great job! You did what you're supposed to do. You did. We, you know, we got here where we want to be, and um, so we got fined, and they took the money out of our paycheck immediately. And um, but but it made you know the best thing about that is it made for a great story. I'm so glad it happened. Um, everybody that I know that knows me would tell you there's no way Patrick danced in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and judging by the way the NFL is today, that was probably about the last fine anybody got for a celebration. <laughs> yeah, now they they're they're welcome to do it now, which I think is a good thing. I yeah. think they should dance and hey, celebrate with their teammates that they scored a touchdown. 
I think that's a good thing. Look, I'm I'm a I'm a soccer fan, right? The English Premier League is one of my favorite uh, favorite pastimes. Watching that, and some of their choreographed celebrations are fantastic. Yeah. And as an American watching English football, I have to say, in the NFL, we got to keep our game up because we can't be beaten by the Brits, right? We can't let them have better celebrations and better dances on YouTube than our guys over here in the states, right? So. We got to we got to make sure that we're winning those celebrations. I mean, we're, yeah, so, well, uh, hands down, anybody oh. celebrating with their celebration would be a lot better than mine would be. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, uh, so we uh, when I was in Denver, um, just uh, on a little side note, we would uh, I saw so I was a fullback and I would be with the running backs, and so uh, Terrell Owens, Mike Anderson. Uh, or uh, Lando, uh, Landis, uh, God, I can't, uh, oh, Joan, um, Landis Gary, oh, Landis Gary, yeah, so Davis, Landis Gary, Mike Anderson, yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, playing with those guys, and so we after the uh, after practice would be over, we would uh, all huddle up at on uh, on Friday, and we would huddle up together, and they would start doing a um, a song. And I was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe what we're about to be doing." So we started dancing, and and it's in it's in uh, it's after practice, so we're uh, one of the things that uh, Terrell Owens and those uh, Terrell, I'm sorry, Terrell Davis, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Uh, so he was like Terrell was like, so they had this dance, and after practice, and I would look around, and I would see all the offensive linemen standing around just to watch me. <laughs> we uh, so we would be uh, so they would start chanting, "Uh, uh, you don't wanna." Go to war with a soldier, a no limit true soldier. I thought I told you, you don't wanna. <laughs> and it would just go on and on. We would start going in the huddle like this, and we do that after practice every day on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but we didn't do it on the field that back then. <laughs> What's that? I said, can you imagine if you had TikTok back then? Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, that would have been on TikTok. <laughs> Somebody on the sideline would have been uh, recording that. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. That's how I would have got my views. <laughs> Would, wouldn't have had to have told those private investigator stories. I would have uh, I would have got them with uh, filming you guys on the sidelines. That's you cool. might have to reenact that for us one day. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it together in the huddle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me reel us back in for a second. Um, let, let's let's go. Of course, the the big elephant in the room. We've got an NFL guy, right? We're gonna have to go to the Super Bowl eventually. But first, we've got to do our trivia, right? Uncle Joe's trivia. Uncle Joe's trivia. The Super Bowl version of Uncle Joe's trivia. Y'all ready? Who's who's on live besides day one? Anybody oh, else? We've got, we got a few people. Yeah. Got a few people. Oh. Yeah, we got a couple people right. in here. Absolutely. Right. So I uh, got two questions, uh, as I do every week. And uh, the, the first question is Jalen Hurts. Some people may or may not know this, but he broke the all time record for a quarterback rushing in a Super Bowl in NFL history last night. So before Jalen Hurts broke that record, who, who was the leader in rushing yards in a Super Bowl at the quarterback position? That's a good one. That is a, that is 
a good one. That is a good one. Now, now for, for folks that are watching, you might have found it on Twitter, if you're like me, because I did discover, Josh, me and you had this conversation earlier, and uh, it was, in fact, on Twitter. I thought back to the location where I was when I saw it, and I'm like, okay, that wasn't the TV. That was the cell phone. Because I'm, I'm big on Twitter. I'm going to be on Twitter while I'm watching a, a game like the Super Bowl, right? But it did, it did show it on Twitter. So if you were following along all the nonsense on Twitter uh, with me, it did give the answer to that one. So And remember, this is Uncle Joe's trivia, right? Uncle Joe doesn't cheat. Nope. Doesn't right. use Google. Uncle he would have to use the World Book of Knowledge. And I bet it's not in the World Book of Knowledge. So don't cheat. Right. Use you your brain. I don't it's a know wonderful tool. Is, but I think uh, I think they talked about that in the Super Bowl last night. Did, oh, did, did they it? talk about it on air? Okay, I, I think they did. I know okay. they did when they when he broke the record. They mentioned he broke the record, but I don't know if they said whose record he broke. Okay, oh, yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. And uh, so our second question: If you were on with us last week, you actually heard this already. Uh, but remember who on this podcast said that the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I would give it up to Who you. on this podcast, day one included, said the Chiefs were going to make it to the Super Bowl? <laughs> Look, I'm just yes, saying, I'm the only one. Like four teams left. You had like a 25% chance. <laughs> one of four and one of three. I'm talking about on this podcast. Y'all were all bungles and y'all were all eagles, right? Yeah, you're right. Again, yes. it was flip a coin, you know, 25% chance. <laughs> you're not a soothsayer. You didn't do anything special, Josh. <laughs> so the, the question last week was, if Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl, he would be tied with one other quarterback active for the most Super Bowl rings with two. Who is that quarterback? Yep. Yep. So, so that one, uh, that one, you could cheat and watch our last episode. We'll let you do that one. Just don't go Googling it. <laughs> I know Brent Keating, Kevin, and day one were in the in the room when we mentioned that. Yeah, so y'all can't y'all can't. Y'all can't give the answer. Those three people can't give the answer. Hey, and just to let you guys know, just to let you guys know, I want y'all to know that Patrick Mahomes with this victory, he is now amongst the elite quarterbacks now, right? Two Super Bowl rings is very important for a quarterback. He joins the ranks of what, like Zeke Brakowski and Jeff Rutledge? <laughs> jo Joe Gillilam? <laughs> He, ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, he's, Eli Manning. He's he's among the elites now up there with those guys. Um, not like not like loser quarterbacks, you know, like like Dan Marino and Frank Tarkenton and Jim Kelly. Not like those losers, you know, Warren Moon and Michael Vick. We're talking about elites again. Jeff Rutledge and uh, and uh, Zeke Brakowski. They're they're right up there with Patrick Mahomes now yep. in in Hall of Fame history. So. <laughs> <laughs> Zeke, if you're listening, send us a message, man. You'll be on the show. <laughs> the only Zeke that I think of is the center for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The center, Make Zeke Elliott. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, Cowboys last 
play of the season. <laughs> that cements your legacy, you know? Like, like for example, I, I will, I'll be honest, cementing legacies, talking about that. We've got, we've got a real-life example of that on here with, 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 you know, Patrick being on here today because when Josh was like, you know, hey, I could see if this guy wants to do it, I'm like, wait, you mean, you mean the, the, the guy he played like fullback? He's like, no, he played tight end. I'm like, no, he, he, play, he played fullback. Yeah, I was, uh, like, I was mainly a fullback. I was a, I was a tackle with an 80 number. And uh, <laughs> fortunately, they put me in the backfield. So I was able to play two positions, which actually helped my career last longer. Right. <laughs> so did you right. fullback at Tampa Bay? I did, yeah. Well, I, me and uh, not still there. Uh, we had uh, me and Mike Allstott would be in the backfield, and me and Warwick Dunn, and uh, in the backfield they called it uh, Jumbo and Jumbo Rhino. So you think about a rhino horn? You got the small one on the front and the big one back, or the or the big one on the front and the small one on the back. So that would be Jumbo Rhino, which was me as fullback and Warwick Dunn as running back. But Jumbo would just be me and Mike Allstott. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Blocking for him, and obviously, you know uh, what a great athlete Mike was. He uh, he he made me look good. <laughs> you're in good hands with Allstott. Yeah, right? Chris Berman, you're in good hands with Allstott. Yeah, I'm glad you remember that. That was uh, that was what's his name from uh, Monday Night Football that started that. What was his name? Chris I can't Berman. remember. Chris Berman, NFL Prime Time. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> I still have the Monday Night Football ringtone on my phone. <laughs> That's awesome. That football. I miss all of it. That's definitely important. All right, so so let's let's go back to the Super Bowl. We had Mahomes. Um, I didn't I didn't catch the end of the game. I was tired. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, well, I watched the end of the game. I'm just saying the celebration and stuff afterwards. Was was Mahomes the MVP? He I was. Mean, I'm sure he was. He was absolutely the uh, the MVP of that game. Um, I, I do I do question the legacy of the game though, and I told you guys this. I'm I'm a little okay. So every week except for maybe last week, maybe I've gotten off this. Like you know, you guys know my opinions. You don't kick field goals in the last two minutes of the game. They should just be outlawed. It's too much pressure for a kicker. It's not good for their mental health. Um, <laughs> when you win with a field goal with no time remaining, you didn't prove you beat the team. You proved that you kicked the field goal and you won a coin toss or lost a coin toss or something, right? It's, it's, it's a weird, weird trajectory, weird dynamic. These teams matched up so perfectly, though, right? Yes. So, so what was the stats that you gave us, Josh, pregame? Yes. So the both the Eagles and the Chiefs were sixteen and three on the year. Same record. They both scored five hundred and forty six points. Amount of points. They both had six All Pros, a Kelsey brother, and their quarterback an All Pro. Yeah. And they were both the number one seeds in their conferences. I mean, you cannot get more evenly matched. And. Yep. Both quarterbacks from the Big 12, which, you know, produces the best quarterbacks. Yeah. I just did that because SEC people watch, and they like <laughs> yes. to still play Jalen Hurts, you know? <laughs> yes, and I have been told by one Big 12 homer that we're, we side with the SEC way too much. So uh, that's for you, sir. 
you may or may <laughs> not be an Oklahoma State Cowboy fan. I don't know. Heck yeah. More power to the mullet. <laughs> Absolutely. But I guess I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> so, I, I can, I can only hope that Patrick's used to this nonsense by now. Like, I, I mean, thanks for a great show. I love it. <laughs> and the game didn't disappoint either, right? Completely evenly matched all the way down <laughs> to one play. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Hmm? down to one penalty yep perhaps potentially a hanky that that got caught in the breeze yeah. or something <laughs> i yeah, don't know it I ended up on the field accidentally fell out of his pocket yeah <laughs> what's the uh what's, what's the deal i mean what time they uh they thought a flag was thrown or uh or actually my wife she was like did they throw a flag and it was the dude's mouthpiece because they're yellow <laughs> <laughs> you know to me, watching the Chiefs play, that is a true annoyance because you got yellow shoes, you got yellow gloves, you got yellow mouthpieces all over the field, and, and it is an annoyance. And, and that, that may contribute to why on my 1 to 32 list, the Chiefs are, you know, around 28. I'm just saying. Did you they know. count any as a result of what happened? And look, it will be reevaluated at the end of this season because. <laughs> Because okay, so so I, I have to I have to play nice here. Patrick's here. He's a former Buccaneer, and you guys know that the Buccaneers were lower. Patrick's Patrick's converting me. They're bumping up. Of course, Tom Brady's retirement. power. Tom Brady's retirement's helping. I'm not saying which one's which one has more impact. A former Buck being on our show, or or Tom Brady. And look, the Broncos. I know you played there as well. They're they're already up pretty hot. So I've I've always been a Broncos fan. But um, but yeah, the Buccaneers on my on my one to thirty two list maybe 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 rising up, and uh, the Chiefs may take their spot. So uh, I'm just saying, um, there is that. But as I digress, let's go back to the bogus holding call. Man, I mean, <laughs> so it's one of those things where, I mean. Obviously, people can get into the semantics of whether it was a hold or not. And I don't really think that's the point because all game, you let everything go. Like, you just let them play. You, I mean, we're going to say they're evenly matched teams. You're just going to let them play at that point. It's third and eight on that call, right? I mean, the actual hold, right, we'll just say it like that. The, the hold that happened – in no way impacted the result of that play. Like I think we were talking about in the pregame, he would have had to have been eight feet tall and Barishnikov to at least even have an opportunity to come down with that ball where it was thrown. It was basically almost thrown. It was left corner of the end zone, pretty much almost like out of bounds. You would have had to have been just, the, I mean, you know, like just the most amazing acrobat on top of a ladder to, to do that. So, if you really want to reevaluate everything at that point, so you have to start saying to yourself, okay. And, and, and that's where I'm, I'm a proponent of the ref huddling up and saying, look, look, this contact here in no way impacted the result of that play. I mean, you, you got to start looking at things and breaking it down to my call is more of an impact on this game than what I perceive as a holding call at that point. Because remember at that point, you make that call, it gives the Chiefs the opportunity to run the clock out, kick the field goal, and 
And and I mean, there you had it at that point. So I just I mean, and and if you let things go up until that point, I mean, at what point do you say if we're gonna let them play at this point, then we really need to just let them play with the game literally on the line and it's tied, just like it's been tied all season with these guys. Well, and as I said in pregame, Rod, if if the flag was thrown when the hold occurred, then it's a moot point, right? It is a holding penalty. It's five yards. It's first down. But everybody saw Mahomes pointing, pointing, pointing. Was he pointing at a flag or was he pointing that Juju got held, right? And then did the flag come out? I didn't have the right angle because I was watching the TV. I wasn't there at the game. But I'd be very interested to see if the flag was thrown late, almost like in basketball, right? When someone doesn't score and they come down and then all of a sudden the whistle blows to say yeah. they were fouled, right? Were they waiting to see if Juju was going to catch the ball before they called the flag or threw the flag? I don't know. Well, it's interesting. Now, late, it wasn't like – Miami, Ohio State, oh. league, which that will never be the worst call in history of games or sports. I mean, right. that was literally after the celebration. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it was to be, but from a magnitude standpoint, it. I mean, the game was over after that. Yeah. yeah. yeah that that ended the game. I mean, you got to. Players are going to be physical on the field, and you get you're in that five li five yard limit right there, right when you first start off. And you're the guy, the defensive backs trying to jam the uh, wide receiver going out, and um, I mean you watch it in fast motion. It's a regular regular play. There, you know, it's not a it's not a penalty, and like you said, John, it goes back to the guy throwing the flag after people point at. It. It's just like a a pass interference play where the, the player gets up and a lot of times they're like, Oh, you know, he's holding me, but he wasn't really, it's a pretty good play. Um, and yeah, then the, then the ref throws the flag out. So I don't know if it's, I, I don't, I don't think that was a, uh, a flag play to be honest. Uh, what that's what I think. I think there, you know, there's going to be some physical things going on. And if you go back and watch it in, in fast motion or the regular motion that it, that it happened in, it it's it's like this nothing there wasn't that much there not enough yeah to me if it was if it was an arm okay i'll give that one arm you can't touch a receiver's arms right you're not it's a hold right i don't care the result of the play you just don't touch the receiver's arms he's inside the body he didn't spin you know with the hold the hold made no difference in momentum and to me the bottom the bottom of the shirt like that. Okay, so he confessed at the end of the day, right? I held him. So that means that he probably in his mind says, I grabbed the jersey, right? You grab the jersey. To me, if the jersey doesn't move, it didn't move. Then it's not a hold. I don't care. Like, you got, I, I'm, I'm running with the jersey. Now, this, we're, we're gone from the days of the NFL having the breakaway jerseys or the tearaway jerseys. You guys remember those. That was good fun. Um, you know, it's turns into um bikini football league at that, that point um at the, at the end of it because we're ripping jerseys off of each other but you know the jersey like it's gonna move at the very least if it is a hold it didn't move at all maybe he grabbed like a pad or something in there but still the jersey would have moved i would think um there was definitely no movement there it didn't impact the play at all whatsoever what i would like 
you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm one of these guys, and I do this with my kids, um, not that they play football, but they are really good at Madden because I do this with them. <laughs> so I'll stop a play, I'll rewind the video, and, like, I, I coach film with these with my kids, and I'm like, all right, look, here's the thing about a penalty like that. And I didn't do it on this play. I probably should have because that one hold gets called, but we're not even looking at the line of scrimmage where 52 holds are being, you know, right. held, right? You got, you've always got holding on a play. You can call holding every single play. You really have to, as a ref, discern, is it going to impact play? In this case, I don't and think it did. All it did was impact the outcome. Not impacting the game with this more than the actual. And I don't know, like, I got a question for, for you, Patrick, for you guys. So, like, when they are selecting their officials for the playoff games or Super Bowl, I mean, like, I would be a proponent of it being whoever graded the highest during the season. Yeah. Like, highest line judge, the highest back judge, the highest head official. Like, that should be your selection for the Super Bowl. I mean, at the end of the day, the Eagles and the Chiefs were the two best teams in the league, and that's why they got to this point. Why could we not have an officiating crew? I don't know what to do. They do that was based on these were the guys that were the best this season, so they get selected to call this game as a result. I mean, I don't know. I'm just asking. How do you get to be the best ref in the uh, in the NFL? You know, I mean, the, the best line judge, defensive backs, the the head judge. I mean, how do you get selected? Why are you the best? Because you didn't call any penalties. Yeah, maybe maybe the way they grade them after they look at stuff. I've got know. I've got the perfect scenario. Look, this didn't exist in your day, Patrick, but it's real easy to do. All you got to do is get on Twitter and go hashtag refs during any NFL game, and the game that has the least amount of tweets complaining about the ref, they're the ones that graded the best, right? <laughs> That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Because I'll be honest, last night I'm on Twitter. I'm like, you know what? All I have to do is type in the word rigged, and I'm going to find out that this game's rigged because you have a weird view of the extra point, right, that, that went straight over the upright from the camera angle. I don't know if that was – Good or no good? I really don't. They don't review that stuff. Why? Because we got $20 million commercials we got to play. It's the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody cared at that point. Who cares if it's tied? Who cares if it's a one-point difference? It's not going to matter. But guess what? That started the trend, right? You have a wide-open receiver. That starts the trend. It's all about these storylines that get out before the games about, you know, people saying that things are rigged and then – then you have a, a wide receiver that's magically open one play in the end zone. Then they run the exact same play. They flip the offense. And Andy Reid's special, right? He always does that. Runs the exact same play. Wide open wide receiver again. Scores the, you know, the go-ahead touchdown, I guess, I suppose, um, to tie the game or whatever. But, um, well, that would have ultimately tied the game and uh, got them the win. That's when the rig rigged really took off. Like I couldn't even keep up reading on Twitter how quickly people went from, you know, Rihanna's halftime show was good or bad to this game's rigged. This game's rigged. This game's rigged. And it and it's literally that fast. You have an it uh, and, and it was gasoline on the fire after the 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 call. Right. The, yeah. That we're not even talking the officiating at this point. Yeah. The hold or the field goal or anything like that. Like I said, it started with an extra point that appeared from my camera angle that I'm watching on TV 
to have went directly over the upright like this, which, by the way, is, according to NFL rules, is not a, a, a field goal. It has to be all the way in the upright to 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 go. So just just to let y'all know where that's coming from, that is actually a rule now. If it splits the upright, part of it's out of it. It's a no good. So so I don't I don't know if it was or not. They didn't replay it. Does that look bad on the NFL? Absolutely, it looks bad on the NFL. That's where it, it, the tweets begin. And then that's, you know, I mean, okay, so, like, we're just really three idiots with a podcast, right? Um, I'm not including you in that one, Patrick. You're not an idiot here. It's, it's just <laughs> – but, but it's guys like us that do drive those narratives on social media. We're thought leaders in this. We've got – you know, we're not Pat McAfee thought leaders, right? We're not ESPN thought leaders. But we do get to come up with those narratives, right? And Josh, what happened after the Super Bowl? Those statistics—you gave us another yeah. little meme. What yeah. Was that so one? I mean, everything just came out saying Philly had no business being in the Super Bowl. I mean, it went through the entire the entire schedule. I couldn't believe it. It was they beat the bottom five defense by three. That was the Lions. Kirk Cousins in primetime beat Carson Wentz, beat Trevor Lawrence, beat Cardinals without Hopkins or a kicker, beat Cooper Rush, beat bottom three team at time. That was my Steelers. And it goes on. There's not a positive win. And then losses are just magnified to Taylor Heineke at home after Dak dropped 40 on them to Andy Dalton by double digits at home. I mean, they're just getting piled on. And then, of course, I sent y'all, it's been a horrible year in Philly. They lost the MLS. They lost the World Series when they were up 3-2. to two, And then lost the Super Bowl when they were up 10 at the half. With, a, with possibly Chad Henney coming out in the second half. You know, and then, of course, Mahomes comes out and takes them straight down the field. <laughs> Amazing. Build them up to watch the game and then tear them down after the game because they lost. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and we were talking about this. Uh, I think Andrew and, and uh, I were talking about this today, but a uh, good friend of the show, Kevin Franz called me and he said, Josh, what's going on, man? I'm watching these talking heads and they're comparing Jalen Hurts to Michael Jordan. And I was like, Calm down. It's okay. It's they, okay. What, they didn't this morning. That, <laughs> that ended. Well, I mean, Jalen Hurts had a great game, right? Statistically speaking, he had a fantastic game. Um, but what I told Kevin was, everybody knows Patrick Mahomes. The talking heads don't need to talk about how great Patrick Mahomes is because anybody that knows anything about football knows Patrick Mahomes is amazing. But they're just getting to know Jalen Hurts. Yes. I said, remember, two years ago, Jalen Hurts got benched in the third quarter in a game that if they had won, they would have been in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And now here we are two years later and he's in the Super Bowl. So, so, so coming back to, you know, basically how we started this entire segment about the Super Bowl, right? I named off some, some Jeff Rutledge, Zeke Brakowski, you know, uh, th those quarterbacks, you know, those are all quarterbacks with two rings, but we all, all know they were the backup quarterbacks, mm -hmm. right? And then I named off quarterbacks that, you know, my, my, my loser no-ring club 
we're all freaking awesome quarterbacks, right? Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, Frank Tarkenton, all those people. And that's the kind of narrative now with social media that exists because we consume way too much football in any given week, right? <laughs> right? Like, like there's too much football talk. There really is. And we're contributing. So I guess that's a little hypocritical of us. But, you know, we, we've got all these storylines that are out there that are, that are just doing this. I just kind of wonder – if the Chiefs lost, you know the Colts' loss was going to come up, right? Because they lost to the Colts this season. Um, they lost to the Colts, the Bengals. I don't know what they would have said about the 49ers' win, um, probably because it was our backup quarterback in, because uh, that was when Jimmy Garoppolo was playing. You know, it, it wasn't when, when our, our stud Brock Purdy was playing, you know, <laughs> and which is our backup's uh, backup. Oh. Uh, how much longer is the window of opportunity open for Pat Mahomes? I mean, he only has one ring, and he's been here so many times. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, we would stand basically he's like the Atlanta Braves of of you know quarterbacks or something. Jim you know, Kelly, Jim Kelly, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to get to the Super Bowl to win it. Uh, you know, if you don't get to it, then <clears throat> there's a lot of great quarterbacks out there that got to the Super Bowl and didn't never won it. The, uh, and, you know, you were thinking, uh, you're talking about earlier on the uh, um, Twitter feeds and all that about it's it always comes out because if it's my team, then he did he did catch the ball and he and uh, didn't fumble the ball. If it's your team, it's the opposite of that. It's always going to be. So that's why you, that's with today's social media. You're going to see all that stuff by a ton of different people that like everybody else. There's a handful of people that like the the main team, you know, comparatively speaking uh, across the United States. We uh, you know, so like uh, the 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 pass that happened during the game, and he caught the pass, and uh, the same guy I can't remember his name, but he uh, there was a fumble, and he ran it in for a touchdown. They ended up calling it back as a dropped pass. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I thought, and I I was for Philly. I thought he caught the ball and made a move forward, and it was a fumble. But but I'm I'm from Philly, but I, I guarantee you're going to see the opposite of that on Twitter. Oh, you're going to see both sides of it, right? Depending on which yeah, hashtag yeah. you put in, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and then well, they, uh, we talked about it earlier with the um, <clears throat> the catch that happened when uh, Devontae Smith caught the ball. Yeah, and two feet down and goes out of out of bounds, and that was to me that was a catch. And once you're out of bounds, it shouldn't matter, I think, if you've got control of it before you go out of bounds. And, and speaking of that, Patrick, you had your own uh, situation you were part of uh, back in the NFC Championship game with a controversial call that, that essentially cost you guys. T talk, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Bert, so, so Bert and Manuel were, uh, were on a fourth down and uh, trying to convert a fourth down, and, and Bert Emanuel catches the pass from Sean King and, and makes the first down, but then they call it uh, a no catch, even though I sent Josh the video of it. Uh, catches the ball, hits the ground, rolls over, has control of it the whole time. But when he hits the ground, just the barely tip of the ball touches the ground, and they call it a no catch. And uh, there there's no doubt about it that it was a catch. And But I – you know, and I think, uh, and I've heard this, and I haven't, I can't verify that, but I've, I've heard this called the Bird Emanuel rule now. Mm -hmm. So he had control of the ball the whole time, and it should be a catch. So that's, I think. Hey, hey, Drew, imagine if Twitter was around back in 2000 when this I, happened. I, 
I've got the I've got the narrative right now already already you know we can talk about this negativity you know that that's in Patrick's life already but but here's here's the Colin Coward take right if we had Sirius XM when Patrick was was in there now okay so so I don't even know that Patrick knows this again we 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 thoroughly vetted you made sure we're, we were good to have you on the show now how about this how about this all right I got a receiver right I got a receiver that 22 percent of his completed passes are touchdown passes why am I not throwing to that receiver more often in his <laughs> NFL career 22 percent of his completed passes that he 22 percent of his catches excuse me our touchdown passes, twenty-two percent. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty strong. But uh, at the same time, but I was the way that's this guy right here. That's this yeah, guy right here. I, that's I pretty much caught all the passes that they threw to me, but they knew that I wasn't good for much yard after the catch. <laughs> <laughs> that pass, and I've got a good buddy that I want y'all to get on the show. He's a Navy SEAL of twenty-two years that lives here in Birmingham. But besides that. Great guy, but he tell when I've been with him, he tells people that I had the longest run in the history of Alabama football. And then he goes on to say it's because it took me so long to get to where I was going. That's my <laughs> longest run. <laughs> but that's why that's why they didn't throw to me as much anymore because I was not a guy that was gonna like the Shannon Sharps or the uh, Travis Kelseys or uh, you know those guys that can actually catch the ball and actually. Run, go up. I could do the same thing, but somebody's going to catch me. <laughs> you guys have a chance to run play down the field. You tell me if you need five yards, I can get you five yards. If you need eight, I can get you five of them. That <laughs> <laughs> was good for five yards, no doubt. No doubt. But hey, if you get five yards every play, you're going to convert to first. There you go. That's right. There you go. Again. Again, twenty-two percent of his completed passes were touchdowns. It's hard to argue. You got to put the ball in his hands more often. <laughs> well, I tell you, I wore a quad muscle, and I went to uh, when I was in Denver, and uh, we were in practice, and we had a full full scrimmage practice football, and I caught a pass, uh, and I was still kind of limping from my quad tear, and uh, I caught a five-yard uh, touchdown pass. I ran it in, and I kind of stumbled over the line to get into the for a touchdown at uh, a full live practice. And uh, I ran, I came back to the sideline, and Coach Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, was my coach in Denver, and he was sitting there, and I was like, "Hey, Coach, sorry I couldn't run that any faster my, with this quad tear and, our, and everything." He was like, "Hey, Patrick, don't worry about it, man. We you were never fast anyway." <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. It sounds like uh, sounds like sounds like Patrick was sporting that Steve Bono like speed we were talking about before the uh, before the podcast, Josh. So uh, so Steve Bono has an NFL record um, it, when he was with the 49ers of the longest time to be on television without a defender in the shot, and it was it was on a touchdown run and. Uh, and it's it's kind of like what you said about the longest touchdown run. Notice I didn't say he had the longest touchdown run. I said he had was on the longest amount of time without a defender being in the shot. Yeah. Because he was was so slow when he ran. They called this bootleg. He runs around to the right side. The defense sold all eleven guys out to running up the middle. I mean, just plowed 
through that line, but Steve Bono was four yards ahead, and the camera crew just followed him down, and there wasn't anybody with him except for I think his tight end or his lead blocker fullback. I can't I can't remember who it was at that time. Uh, was was right there with him, and you know it was like a good you know if you watch the replay, there's YouTube videos of this. You can go look this up. If you watch the replay of it, it feels like an eternity that he's just running down the field, and you're like, how? Where's the defense at? But they're just in the pile with the offense. Yeah, you got you got you got just a bunch of fat dudes sitting on you. You can't go anywhere and catch that guy running. Well, it's like when Peyton Manning used to run in from the one when he was with Denver. <laughs> right. It took him like twenty minutes to go a yard. Well, <laughs> Eli, Eli made fun of him the other day about it. Um, I think, I think it was during a Chiefs game. Um, I could be wrong on that one. Where Patrick Mahomes did the same bootleg to the left like you're you're talking about and he's mm -hmm. like oh man he took that out of my playbook you know with their little um mm -hmm. podcast slash tv yeah. show they got that's yeah. live during the games and he's like yeah but uh it was a lot faster when he did it than when you did it and if you go back and watch that that one yard run which of course you know the field he's running 25 yards across the field to get right. into the end zone because he hits the corner but it's still like you know at least seven to ten seconds worth of football play <laughs> going on. It takes him like five seconds just to get get started up enough with his with his gallop to even to begin the one yard. But yeah. you you have to consider the dude, Josh, like I mean, me and you aren't like I mean, we're both pretty fast guys. Like even still, you know, even for our age. But he was our age and probably could have beat us in a foot race. So like <laughs> yeah. You think about how long it would take us. Like he's he's only beaten us by two steps, and it's like, okay, yeah, I'll give him that. Yeah, he might be a professional athlete, but he's a very, very honed in specific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was honed in. <laughs> well, the uh, you know that you think about this, uh, you want the offense to have the ball as long as possible because it wears the defense down. Right. Well. Um, what about the offense? Why don't they get worn down? Well, if you ever been in practice before, you see when the defense surrounds the ball, when, when somebody runs over here and the offensive line is still over here doing their little thing, everybody on the whole defense has to sprint to that ball where the ball is going. They have to run every play like that. And that's what, that, that's what makes it an advantage for offense to have the ball longer um, because it does wear the defense down because – the way they practice, they they all have to run to the ball. They all have to. And you're not going to see all the offensive people running to the ball like that. So it does make a difference. And I well, just, I brought that up because we're talking about running like that. But even your big guys up front, like yourself was a big guy up front, right? You know, even in shotgun, whenever you're doing the backdrop during a pass, you know, if you're going back more than six yards, like you're done, right? Yeah. But – but like you said, once that ball's released, those defensive guys are still chasing that ball, and those offensive dudes are like, "Well, we're done. Like we don't have to, we don't have to do anything." Might go five, six, eight yards down the field, and there's a couple that stragglers that run down further and and uh, and still keep trying to block, which you should. There's nothing wrong with that. But you'll have a wide receiver over here on the other side. He's not going to be sprinting across the field to to get to where the ball is, for the most part. But it does wear the defense down. So that's, there's something to be said about that. And unless obviously you're the Seahawks in that wild card game against uh, the the uh, 49ers, and uh, their their offensive line was just running straight down the field for some reason. They had like three back to back uh, uh, penalties for uh, you know an eligible receiver downfield. I was like, 
oh, this is the best implosion ever. You know, they hung with the 49ers in the first half, and in the second half, they were just in a track race or, or something. I don't know what was going on. They were just going by unblocked and running forward instead of going back. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen on these pass plays. But, you know, you know that's a probably a different different feel now than it was then. You guys weren't running the run-pass options like that, so it wasn't really confusing, I guess, up front. Yeah, we had uh, we did have a lot of those uh, plays that, you know, that we would dial up. I mean, uh, you got the keepers and we got the – past 14 mans you know you're you're, play, you're faking the 14 handoff and uh and you got and then you got all the fullback trying to fake the block and then going out to the left or actually missing the guy and and going down the field in the middle so it could open it up for somebody else i was always a wide open decoy so i was the uh i was the guy <clears throat> running down the middle of the lane or or sprinting out to the left so it would open somebody else up in the right or 20 22% of his catches are touchdowns. Get him the ball more. <laughs> in fact, you guys would have been right there in the, having that Super Bowl experience in 2000. See, if, me, if, me, if me and Colin Coward existed then, you, would have, you wouldn't have been the wide open guy. You would have been double teamed because everybody would have been afraid if, to let you be open because they're like, he's going to score touchdowns. They would have their analytics and everything at that point. Right. You know, you're talking about me catching more passes, and I, and I tell people this today. I'm like, well, you know, I was the uh, fifth guy in the read. And they're like, oh, yeah, fifth guy in the read. I was like, yeah, but quarterback run was number four. <laughs> so I, I was the last guy in the read, and a lot of times he was running before he threw to me. And that was Brad Johnson's for some of your career. Right? Well, I, I didn't get to play with Brad, so I had already left uh, oh. Tampa. But, yeah, I wish okay. I, wish I could have. Although I went to Florida State football camp now, don't don't uh, don't get mad. <laughs> I don't remember Brian Greasy being a big runner in Denver. He wasn't that much of a runner, but he was uh, he was a terrific guy, smart, studied hard. Uh, just he was a good quarter. He was a good solid quarterback, and he played a long time because of it. And, and that's also why your your pass receptions went up when you went to Denver, right? Because because number five got called a little more than number yeah, four on that the, one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's his name that uh, used to be on Saturday Night Live? Dennis um, Miller. Used, Dennis Miller, yeah, he did the Monday Night Football there for a little while while I was yeah, he playing. Did. It was, he was hilarious. Yeah, so my, my first game uh, in Denver was a Monday Night Football against the New York Giants, which was September 10th, uh, 2001, the day before September 11th. So uh, they actually handed me the ball a couple times, and I didn't get in the end zone. And Dennis was up in the uh, – he was calling the game, and he was like, hey, I cannot believe they keep going back to this Patrick Hape. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I catch a touchdown pass, and, and, and then Dennis was like, hey, man, just give it to Coach Shanahan. He's so smart. He's going to Patrick. And then uh, they fooled everybody, and then he throws him a pass and cut, scores a touchdown. <laughs> But that, that's the storyline, though, right? Although although that game probably had another interesting storyline itself, right? Yeah. Um, because it, you said it was the last game before 9-11. So, so what what was that like? So, uh, so it was the opening night uh, football, and uh, everybody had played on Sunday. We actually have a Monday night football game against the uh, Denver Broncos first first Monday night football game of the season. And I mean, uh, us being in Denver playing against the New York Giants, 
So, uh, you know, the game probably gets over at 11 o'clock. And, uh, and, uh, so they lose two hours being in Denver. So, and then they're leaving two hours after the game to go back to New York. So they're getting back. I've, I've told people this over and over They're They're getting back around early in the morning, you know, before this, right before this stuff starts happening. And, uh, here we are in Denver, you know, we, uh, the game's over and we go have something to eat and and uh and hang out for a little bit and then we go home and i wake up the next morning my father-in-law calls me on the phone he's like hey we're getting bombed and uh you know denver was i mean uh the new york giants that we played were right there in the the midst of that just i they just had to have barely gotten back before all this happened wow probably within in like hours yeah yeah man so from your perspective being an nfl player you know like I mean, you know, Tuesday was basically canceled, right? I mean, like, you know, for everybody across the world, like, because we didn't know what the heck was going on. Um, you know, what, what was it like trying to game plan for Sunday or, you know, God forbid, whoever had the Thursday night game? Like, what what was that running through your mind, you know, like, after? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you went from one day to the next, yeah. right? Yeah, actually – Actually, so we played the Monday night football game. We get Tuesdays off um, unless you're injured or something like that and need to go up to uh, do some rehab and, and whatnot. Um, and then Wednesday starts the full week of practice. We uh, we actually just kind of came up there and did some weeks, a uh, couple of days of practice, light practice, because we already knew we weren't going to play on that Sunday. And uh, and we, we played the Sunday after that. And and uh, and it was the, it was one of the coolest things ever. So I go to, uh, we go to play the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Pat Tillman is playing for the Arizona Cardinals. And so I get to play against him, which I thought was one of the greatest things ever. Cause I thought I was like, man, this guy's, he's just such a great athlete. So I love playing against him. He, um, uh, anyway, being at this game and they did the national anthem beforehand and they had the flag that's that covered the whole field. And we all went up there and held the flag I thought it it was just uh it was a great thing to see everybody come together after something that happened like this. Wow. That's did awesome. Pat Tillman wait until the end of the season? He did. He played, yeah, he played that year and then um and then after that, man, he's like he had he had uh he had a higher column, man. He had a you know, it's like a one of my buddies here that lives in town that's uh a Navy <laughs> SEAL medically retired and he moved here from South Carolina and um he was like man I went to college and uh I didn't know what I was going to do after college and he was like I needed a purpose I didn't know what it was I needed a purpose and the Navy SEALs is what I tried to do to 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 find a purpose and so he did that for a long time this is not the guy I was mentioning earlier this is uh, another guy Rob um it's kind of interesting that you got a couple of these guys that are around you you just don't see them very often they're they're uh there's not many of them out there. So they're, and, but they're the ones that I've met are just great guys. Man. And that's, that's what awesome. Pat, he had, he, he needed, he had, he had to find that purpose, man. After nine 11 happened, he's like, football is not what it's about. It's about me serving my country. And that's gotta be something that's absolutely amazing. Wow. There's no doubt about that's that. Wow. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, let's. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get get a little lighter for a second, okay? 
we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get a little lighter if that's okay with you guys. Because I gotta I gotta ask. Let this. me. You guys, are you staying with Patrick? Because I got something light for Patrick first. You got something light. For I got Patrick something first? light yeah. for Patrick. Oh, I like. So go, Patrick, you go you go first because if it's the same thing, it's gonna be awesome. But go ahead. Okay, perfect. So Patrick, I know we we've had a great great time uh, talking to you. You know, hearing all about your your career and everything. But there's one question that all of our listeners have for you. That's the most important question that we're going to ask all night. And that is, do you prefer, I know you don't drink a whole lot of dark cola, but do you prefer Pepsi or Coke? Here's what I'll tell you. I like Diet Coke or I like Pepsi. I like both of them. The, the one that I buy is the one that's on sale. <laughs> oh, <laughs> for the win. For the win, because I like that, um, I like them both big time, and I drink a lot of diet cokes and diet pepsis, and uh, <laughs> but the one that I'm drinking now is the one that's on sale. <laughs> hey, that's like on Family Feud. Good answer. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. That was a know. safe answer. I'm I'm pressing him harder, Josh. I'm pressing him harder with my question. Katie's okay, you play. I'd like to hear what Katie has to say about Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke, whatever's on sale. So we'll see if she chimes in. <laughs> I, I think that one won your heart, though, Josh, because you're the cheap one, right? And out, of, out of the two of you, you're the cheap one. So you're probably like, yeah, I feel yeah, that's your playbook. So, so My public first, shopping list is based on BOGOs. <laughs> yeah, the first the first time I ever, uh, I ever uh, actually chat with Katie on the phone, Josh calls me up, right? And, uh, and, um, he's like, Hey man, what's up? And I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm cleaning my shower right now. And he's like, okay. You know, and I'm like, it's re a real pain in the neck. And he's like, why is that? And I'm like, I got this cleaner that like my mom swore by it. And this stuff sucks. Like I, I have to clean up the cleaner. Like it's the worst cleaner in the world. And he's like, like, well, why, why, why you got it? Like, or whatever. I was like, it was a dollar. It sucks. It's awful. Like, cause it cleans, but you got to clean up the cleaner and that's the problem. And I'm like, but I'm gonna use the whole thing because I spent money on it. And he's like, yeah, you spent a dollar on it. He's and then he he's like, see, he's cheap like me. That's why I like him. And and <laughs> I like him. Hey, joke around and I'll work with you, man. Already paid. I already paid for it. <laughs> right. I gotta I gotta finish it. And I, I used it. I used it all. Although that shower did sort of fall through, and I had to replace the whole thing. So I wonder if it was the cheap cleaner that caused that. That might be the might be the reason. So <laughs> it might have cost me in the long run, Josh. That's the end of that story. Uh, all right, I'm gonna ask you. I think I think this might be our last NFL question, unless Rod has something for you. You played in a lot of places, right? You saw a lot of fan base. Which fan base truly is the worst? I would say. Uh... I think it's the worst, and I and because it's the worst, I think it's the best. And that was playing in Oakland. The Oakland. Oh, I, man, that wouldn't even have been my top ten. But yeah. I, I think, I think, yeah, that, I, I see what you're saying. They're all dressed up. They got paint on. They got spikes on shoulder pads. And when 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 I played there, we had to come out of the uh, under uh, behind the sideline of the Oakland Raiders. And right in the middle of the stadium on the 50-yard line, so we had to run behind their their seats and run out onto the field. And and since it was the Oakland A's uh, baseball field, a couple of times I played there, it was the dirt field because they had you know the baseball field was still on. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I'm like, oh my god, I get to see what I saw on TV. 
And uh, so we come out of there and those guys face painted, they're yelling at you, cussing at you. And then we're, we're on the uh, one side of the field and Oakland's on the other side of the field. But anyway, on the side of the field that we're warming up and all that stuff, all of them migrate down that way. And they just yell at you any word you can think of. They yell it at us and they're cussing at us. And it's just, it's just, it's so bad, but it's so great because of that. And it's memorable. And not to mention getting to play at the Oakland A's baseball field when the Oakland Raiders were playing there was, um, you know, I grew up an Oakland A's fan and, and getting to watch that with uh, the bashing brothers, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, and those guys, Ricky Henderson. But the, uh, when they had the earthquake that happened in 89 world series. And here I am, I'm walking out on that field, getting to do that. Yep. And, and that made in the middle, in the middle of Billy bean ball, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That made it one of the greatest places I ever played because of that. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Okay. You're, you're good. You're good at this answer. I'll, I'll, I'll see. I'll see Rod. You, you got anything you're going to stump him with a question. I mean, that that was really really good right there with that. I mean, you know, because so so basically what you're telling me is the Oakland uh, the uh, Oakland Raiders fan base is, was like the uh, LSU for college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but LSU, but LSU uh, is a great place to play. All the fans were just wonderful. Uh, as far as as far as what I saw, the first time I ever went to LSU, they rocked our bus, and the and the and the next time that I went there, they rocked our bus, and uh, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And some people were like, "What's going on? They're rocking our bus." I'm like, "Yes, this is amazing." And so then we you were there the uh, the Sean Alexander yeah. game where he absolutely went off on them. Rushing. Yeah, that was '96. That was my senior year. I helped. Uh, I helped. I helped accomplish some of that. <laughs> so, uh, Alexander, great guy, great NFL football player, great college football player. He was number 37. I was number 38. So he was my, uh, locker mate, uh, his, my senior year and his freshman year. Oh, wow. There was, you know, they were in n number order. So it was great to have him and get to know him a lot. What a great guy. Awesome. Good stuff. Good <clears throat> stuff. Is it time to reveal trivia answers, Josh? I think it is. I think it is. Doing it for Uncle Joe? That's it. Uncle Joe's trivia. So for those of y'all that logged on late um, or are still here, I'm still going to repeat the question. The first question was, we know that Jalen Hurts broke the all-time QB rushing record in Super Bowl history last night. But who held the record prior to him breaking it? I didn't see what Katie wrote. What did that say? Just ignore it. Just ignore <laughs> it. Put the blinders on because she's volunteering y'all to buy um, to not ever to, to Venmo him money so he doesn't have to buy Pepsi products anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're gonna, so, gonna get sponsored by Pepsi, and you're not gonna be able to talk bad about it yeah. anymore. It's going to be great. That's right. I can't wait till that moment. So the answer to Pepsi. Oh, go ahead, Patrick. What is that? When that happens, I'm going to like Pepsi. <laughs> exactly. Oh. <laughs> Pepsi only. <laughs> so it's interesting that I picked this question um, based on what happened yesterday because Patrick 
actually should have played in the game and maybe McNair wouldn't have had this record. But the answer is Steve McNair. The Rams beat the Bucks in the 1999 NFC Championship, the greatest show on turf that put up a blistering 11 points in the game. And they went to play the Tennessee Titans where McNair rushed for 64 yards, mm -hmm. which had been the record for 24 years until it was easily broken by Jalen Hurts almost in the first half. Yes. But if you look at the end of the game stats, he actually only had 70 yards rushing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he barely yeah. made it. Yeah. I think he had 61 in the first half. Yeah. It was, it, it was yeah, just over yeah. 60. And then the second question, again, if you were with us last week, nobody commented. Um, so I appreciate everybody who's listening and knows the answer. But the question was, now that Patrick Mahomes has won his second Super Bowl ring, what other quarterback is tied with him, active quarterback, is tied with him for the most Super Bowl rings? And that answer is none other than Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll say, Drew, you want to take that one? I'm telling Jimmy you, I'm telling Garoppolo. you, with the greats. The greats like Jeff Rutledge. Zeke Brakowski, which, by the way, I had to put on my notes so that I would remember their names um, <laughs> because I came up with this. Wow. I was literally looking it up last night, backup quarterbacks that had two Super Bowl rings, which there's not a lot of Googling for that. You got to do some major research for that. <laughs> it's not just you look at it and you get the answer real quick. Nobody's writing that article on Barstool Sports. I'm just saying. Uh, maybe they need to get on that for me yeah. so I don't have to do as much research as I did. But uh, I got I got four co quarterbacks total. Of course, I took Jimmy Garoppolo off because, uh, because you know, my whole thing was I knew Josh was going to be big-headed picking the winner of the Super Bowl. Um, so I was like, yeah, congratulations. He's as good as Jimmy G now and, you know, Jeff Rutledge and so on and so forth. That was the game plan. But we had – I had to drop Jimmy Garoppolo off of the list because – you know, it's tough to find who was backup quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> Eric, Bubby Brister Eric does not have one. Instead of Bubby Brister, but Bunny is almost uh, fitting. <laughs> I called them happy feet. <laughs> Good old Bubby. So Bubby Brister didn't get one with the Steelers. Yeah, I looked, sadly, because I thought so, but nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. Backup quarterback both years at uh, Denver? Yes. Is that where he got him? Okay. Where he got him. Got the two Super Bowls, uh, John, it was last year, uh, last two years. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I – It is. I knew it wasn't with my Steelers, but I figured it was somewhere else because yeah. Eric knows his stuff. Day one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but played by Neil O'Donnell. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, we have Mike Tomzak, Bubby Brister, um – Mark Malone, if y'all remember Mark Malone, he was a anchor yes. on or a reporter for ESPN for a while. Mm -hmm. That's kind of before my time, though. Um, and then Andrew told me that Steve Bono actually played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I had not remembered. So, yeah, we've had some uh, interesting quarterbacks before uh, Old Roethlisberger came around, and now hopefully Kenny Pickett. 
think uh, Bubby played at uh, Louisiana Monroe, didn't he? He did. It was a, it was one of those uh, Louisiana schools I, for sure. I'm pretty sure it was was Louisiana Monroe. Yeah. Which I mean, that's a whole that's a whole podcast topic right there. That school and Super Bowl quarterbacks, yeah. and also and also the potential that Terry Bradshaw yeah. doesn't become a Super Bowl winning quarterback, right? Yeah. Going full going full circle because you know Terry Bradshaw was the backup quarterback on that team, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the, uh, the uh, Phil, um, I forget his last name now. Um, Phil from uh, Duck Dynasty, the dad, yeah. was the starting quarterback for that team, Louisiana wow. Monroe. And um, he told told the coach, he's like, "Man, I, I don't I don't want to do this anymore." I'm, I'm, I'm done. He goes up to Terry Bradshaw and said, you know what? You go out, you make the bucks. I'm going to go get the ducks. And he quit football and gave Terry Bradshaw the starting quarterback position. So, uh, that's just Tom Brady story then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so but I believe, I believe, uh, Terry Bradshaw was at Louisiana tech and where Phil was at Louisiana tech. And I think Bubby Brister was, was it both Louisiana yeah. tech. Okay. I'm yeah. Sorry. I knew Bradshaw was at Louisiana tech. Yeah. But that's not bad. Yeah. Monroe, I believe was uh Bubby Brister. Yeah. And that's where my yeah. wife though. Cause, cause at that time I think it was called like Northeast Louisiana or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why when you, you said Louisiana Monroe, I didn't correct you because I didn't know if Louisiana tech converted to Louisiana Monroe. No. I don't know anything about the they, direction they, of Louisiana. They went through a couple of name changes. Yeah, Northeast Louisiana because uh, Louisiana Lafayette used to be called Southwest Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, they they changed ULM University of Louisiana Monroe to something else, oh. or or vice versa. And then you got then you got Louisiana Tech, which is over in Ruston, which is right outside, you know, thirty minutes away. Right. Hence why I get them confused because now they're just in some conference, Sun Belt or something, and, <laughs> you know. You see them on your schedule, and you're like, "Yes, W, let's go to that game." Yes, <laughs> tickets should be cheap. All right. Of course, I can't say anything, right? Because I am an Auburn fan, and we were the uh, Alabama Polytechnic College. So, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that was our Polytechnic you know, Institute or something like that. And Louisiana um, Monroe beat us, right? Do you and mean they Alabama? Beat Alabama too, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. I was gonna say that was Alabama. Not, uh, okay, we beat them in overtime. I stand corrected. No, we ended up. No, that was uh, that was actually Saban's uh, Saban's first year, and uh, I don't know if I told okay. you guys the story about about the TED talk with Saban after uh, after they come off the loss to uh, Louisiana Monroe, and uh, Saban's leaving the the, uh, the stadium. He's ticked off, right? And uh, he goes to uh, – he has to get gas. His car's out of gas. And he's like, well, crap, I got to go get gas. And he goes up to the guy to pay. You know, he's got cash. He's paying. The, and he, he has the ring on. And he's like, oh, that's a nice ring. You know, the guy comments on it. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, it, it is. He's like, it's an, he's like, what kind of ring is that? He's like, oh, it's a national championship ring from, from LSU. He's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. He's like, yeah, I hope to win a few more here at – Alabama, and he's like, "Well, you want as long as that Nick Saban's the coach." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. all right. While we're piling on Nick Saban, I got a Nick Saban story for y'all, real fast. All right, go for it. So there was a uh, some kind of leadership 
conference or something at the BJCC. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember what year it was, but uh, Saban told a, a funny story about how, um, what's his wife's name? Terry. 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 Oh, I know where you're going. You know where I'm one. going? Yeah, I do. So, okay. So correct me if I, if I get part of the story wrong, because it's 10 years old, I think. But um, Terry was dating Nick Saban's friend and uh, stopped dating him and started dating Nick Saban. And when they went back to, uh, was he from Ohio, Michigan? I think so. I think Ohio, so. one of those. Uh, they pull into this gas station and get gas. And Terry's former boyfriend pumps the gas for them. And Nick Saban says to her, wow, aren't you glad you picked me? You know, I'm college football coach, won national championships and all this stuff. And um, you're with me. You could have been with that guy. And she said, well, maybe if I had been with that guy, he would have won national championships. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He would have been the head coach at Alabama. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, to, hear, to hear Nick Saban tell the story, there's explicitives in it that the wife said. I don't know if it's true or not, but, uh, you know, with it, that she said the dirty words, but, you know, who knows. But, uh, you know, we, we, we try to run it clean here. But, uh, but yeah, she, she said that uh, he'd be the coach at Alabama. Um, yeah, that was, um, I think, that that conference it used to come to Birmingham because I said it was like a TED talk or something, but it's that conference that he told that uh, that yeah, I was that Louisiana Monroe story. Um, gosh, I think it was like two years later when they had the conference again. Like those are almost back to back stories right there that that we both uh, both heard. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's good fun if you ever get to attend to those. It's a, a cheap price too. I think it was like only like twenty bucks to go yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it was. Hey, say, Drew, speaking of, of cheap prices, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what Subway is doing here now? All right. So, so we'll, we'll let, we'll let Patrick go to bed after this one, but, uh, but okay. So, so we got, we got Subway here. Okay. They decide to save money. So, uh, so they're going to, uh, they're, what they're going to do is, uh, instead of the pre-sliced meat, they're gonna they're gonna go ahead and start start you know slicing their own meat in store, right? So so you're gonna have fresh sliced meat. Now this is early on stages, you know, it's not been released fully onto the public yet, you know. So we'll see it, you know, come to the stores. Normally they hold these uh, franchisees to to the to the ground on stuff like this. They give them about a five year time frame to save up money because they're gonna have, you know, their special tools that you'll have to buy. I'm sure. Um, you know, because it's a way for them to generate money. Um, ultimately, they've said that it's going to save money, you know, at the bottom line. I don't think my submarine sandwiches are going to be any cheaper. I'm just <laughs> saying. I don't think they are. Josh, what are your thoughts on the matter? Well, when I first saw it, I was kind of excited. I'm a big Jersey Mike's fan. And I really like how Jersey Mike's takes that block of ham or turkey or whatever and puts it on and cuts it just like they do with the Publix Deli. It, it makes me feel like it's more fresh. So my question to Subway is, is the meat still going to be the same terrible stuff that's in the, in the uh, wax paper or whatever that is that separates, you know, and everything is individually packaged for exactly what's needed for the spicy Italian versus the the uh, club sub or 
is this going to be like high quality, like maybe boar's head meat or something? Maybe they signed a contract with boar's head instead of the same company that maybe Taco Bell uses for their meat. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like the idea of going to Subway. They actually slice the meat off because I feel like I'm at the Publix deli. So, and I, and I, you know, I don't know if the meat's any better or not, but it sure does taste good. And I don't, and I, and I like it better than I do the, uh, um, Hillshire Farms that I buy that's packaged up in plastic. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so, I, so it's got to be better. So I think it's a good thing long-term. And if it, if it can save us money, that would be even better. So, so I agree with, with you, Patrick, and, and Josh, in, in theory that, because I, I do like seeing the meat sliced, and I do love that uh, experience at Jersey Mike's. My only issue with, with Subway is this. Like, there's usually somebody that kind of resembles maybe a Mike the Butcher kind of guy that's, like, cutting my meat at these places. So you got credibility there. Like, I got to pause a little bit, whether it's a, it's a special machine doing it or not. If I'm entrusting the 16-year-old, the, the group of 16-year-olds, like in where I live now, that are back there manning the Subways, at this point to, to cut my meat you know i mean that's, that's the that's the part here that's just got me like oh. look here's the deal okay so i had a friend of mine actually y'all know this friend um we we have all worked together at some point um we'll talk later in text message <laughs> and he said subway was his favorite job he worked there from the time he was 16 till the time he was 20 i think and he said it was his favorite job because it's not busy and he, he could smoke as much pot at work as he wanted to. And so you're going to have, um, I'll change the name to protect the innocent. You're going to have old, um, you know, Terry back there with the meat slicer that's high as a cot slicing your meat up. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be getting that on your sandwiches. I'm going to question the consistency. No. Those irregular shaped pieces, and and you're you're gonna have to worry about the irregular shaped pizza pieces and the potential thumb that he loses, <laughs> and that he's so high he doesn't even know that he cut it off. It's just gonna be right in there in your sandwich. That's what? what's gonna happen. Yeah, um, I agree. I'll tell you this: my father-in-law has one of those meat slicers, and uh, they are extremely, extremely hard to clean. So Ooh. I don't, I don't know. It's probably fine during that day, but I wonder who's cleaning it. And you know, afterwards, it's it, it looks nice. I like the meat that's cut from the deli. I don't know how they're cleaning it at Publix, but I like the idea. I like the thought of Publix how they clean it better than I like the thought of how Subway cleans. Yes, that would be a that would be a big crack. We're gonna get pieces of, of uh, other other meat and <laughs> we not clean. Yeah, yeah. Or Look, that are three weeks old. So, yeah. <laughs> Subways are all over the place, right? And if you grow up in a small town like I did, you went like, you know, you turn out of the left to go to this subway, turn out of the right of your driveway to go to that subway. You're going to go 10 miles either way. Let's go to the clean subway, right? That's how you pick which subway you're going to. So is it still going to be, oh, I noticed, I noticed the meat slicer at this one was the clean subway. So let's go to this one. Hey, look, I saw bugs in there. It doesn't matter. Clean meat slicer. Clean meat slicer. I think I want some uh, molded, uh, Black Forest ham with my uh, turkey uh, sub that I asked for. <laughs> that was honey 
Ham, it's black on the edges because it's old. That's why it's black. <laughs> That's peppercorn. Peppercorn ham. <laughs> right. That's what they call it. <laughs> Aged ham. <laughs> Patrick and I are just looking for that two for ten to come back. You know? I know. Five dollar oh, right. footlong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's back in if I can get my $5 footlongs, I don't care if High Terry's slashing my meat up back there. <laughs> I need a $5 footlong. And don't, don't, I want the real $5 footlongs, not the fake ones where they tried to pass off and say, this is a $5 footlong. And it's like you had three choices. And it's like the only reason you're selling me this one for $5 is because it has one piece of meat on it. I want to get the Subway melt for five bucks again. That's what I With want. With the bacon. Hey, isn't it now it's <laughs> yeah. the $10. And toasted. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> I want bacon on it and I want it toasted. That's what I require for $5. I don't even care if they come out with just a bacon sandwich as long as it's bacon and toasted with my cheeses. I'm going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same page, I believe, there, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? They probably won't even have to slice the bacon. It'll come sliced because it's bacon. So, oh, hi, Keith won't risk losing a finger today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can't. Yeah, that's going to come out already ready, surely. Right. Gotta be. The great, even the uh, top line delis, they don't slice bacon. I haven't seen that anyway. I'm sure it happens somewhere, but it's got to. It doesn't come off the pig and strip. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. <laughs> or maybe it does because bacon is obviously magic. It, it is. Yes. I'm a big bacon fan. I've got too much blood in my cholesterol, so bacon is uh, is good for that. <laughs> exactly. There you go. All right, Josh. You know what to do. All right. So, uh, you know, we're glad you, you came to, to visit with us today. Uh, not as much interaction today as normal, uh, but hopefully lots of people will listen. Uh, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you'll be able to see segments of the show on YouTube Shorts, on TikTok, on uh, Facebook Reels, where we have over 4 million views for three different videos combined. Um, but we're, we're glad you, you took time out of your day to, to, to hang out with us. You know, this is the, the culture of Splife, where we talk about all things sports and life. We are not a football podcast. So some of y'all may be wondering, is this it until football season? Absolutely not. There's going to be enough to talk about with Aaron Rodgers over the next few weeks, with Jimmy Garoppolo, with all the free agent deals that are going to be happening over the next couple months, probably, and leading up until knows, the next football the balloons season. from China. That's right. Yeah. Hey, you never know. You never know. So uh, we'll be here, and uh, I'll continue to let y'all know when we'll be live. And uh, we just appreciate all the, all the support you've given us. And until next week, we'll see you then.